If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for a Louisiana man. So rousing up that both a faded love and let's all dance. If you're gonna play in Texas, you gotta have a fiddle in the band. Davis to step up in the pocket, gonna heave it for the end zone, and it is caught. It's caught. It's a touchdown, Whitley. Going to throw. Throws back. He's on the end. He's in the Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts. This is your home for Texas high school football here on Dash Sports. We made it to the by district round of the playoffs. Uh, if, you're, if your team is still playing, congratulations. It's, it's, you know, not everybody gets to experience this. It's, you know, it's a really special night that you're going to experience come Thursday or Friday, whichever day you play, maybe even Saturday. Uh, there's no district game that's like the atmosphere you're going to get, especially with this cold front coming through. It's going to be something very different and just t- soak it all in because, like I said, not a lot of kids get to experience it. Or, and, you know, you can ask your coaches. It's 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 hard to get to this point. Regardless of your district, you still have to win. Winning can be hard at times. And a lot of work that goes in to making it to this point. So there's no, I mean, just go out there and make, you know, I'm not saying that anybody's going to take it for granted, but just, you know, take, take a chance, look around, take in some memories to hold on to for the rest of your life. Cause it's, it's played in it. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it, the crowd is there, no matter if you snuck in by the hair of your chin or if you're playing the number one team in state, it doesn't matter. There's going to be people there that weren't there before just to support you because you made the playoffs and it's, it's a fun time to be playing football and uh, the weather knows it because, you know, a lot of people sing that Christmas carol. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Well, that's not true. It's actually right now fall football. And uh, so we got to, we got, I don't have a lot of time to ramble. We got a packed show for y'all. So we're going to get into our primetime picks. If you're in the area, go check these out. I don't have all the locations for these games yet. Go find their pages on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. The, the information will be there. Tobin is out, so I have his picks, and uh, you know I he took one on the chin last week. We split, so we're still tied going into the first round of the playoffs. But there was a close one, a couple of close games that went my way that should have uh, that could have very easily made it a rough week for me, him. And he started to run his mouth before it was too late, and uh, we ended up pulling out a tie. But we got five more plus our game of the week. So we're going to go ahead and jump into it real quick. We're going to start with Round Rock and Lake Travis. You know, this is an offense that, you know, has been beat up. For Lake Travis and a defense that's extremely stout. Lake Travis is, I think, got Bo Edmondson back. And, uh, you know, a really big matchup over. I think they're playing at Round Rock. 
and I think all 6A, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe the upper big schools too, are playing on campus the first round. So that's a big one there. Um, you know, I'm going like Travis, Bo Edmondson's back. I like what they what they can do there. Tobin has Round Rock. Another big school up in the Dallas area is Louisville and Allen. Louisville has snuck into the top 25 and playing real good ball this year. Allen has been up and down, but played a really tough schedule, so they can't really hold it against them. I'm going to run with Louisville. Tobin took Allen here. Over uh, East Texas, uh, East Texas facing West Houston, so that's Brookshire Royal and Hampshire Finette. Hampshire Finette was inside the top 10. Brookshire Royal's been very sneakily having a great season. I think they're 8-2 and two on the season with uh, one of their losses coming to top five, Belleville. Um, I think we're both going to take Hampshire Finette here. It's just uh, we, we've seen, they come from a tough district with Jasper and Silsby. They're battle-tested, and we like what they can do over there. And those East Texas boys aren't something to be messed with. Moving down into 2A, we have Fall Cities, the Beavers taking on Bremont. This one is going to be a beaut. Bremont, you, everybody knows their name in the 2A level. Fall City, Tobin has talked about them multiple times. They're one of those teams you don't want to see in the playoffs, and they just get hot and they upset teams, and that is what they do. However, I'm taking Bremont. I, I more accustomed to taking somebody that's been in the moment, especially in these early rounds. Once you get into the later rounds, everybody's been in the moment, obviously. So I'm going to go Bremont. Tobin's taking Fall City here. And then in our final primetime pick, Madisonville and LaGrange. Tobin is taking LaGrange. Uh, you know, they have Bravion Rogers. They had a tackle committed to Baylor. I don't He might be back now. I'm not sure. But LaGrange is playing really good right now. I mean, they were tied with Quero at halftime. I mean, they had a four-point loss to Smithville in a crazy game. But other than that, they, they, they've been playing real competitive ball. I mean, those two games were real close up until the end. And uh, so I think LaGrange found something here the last couple of weeks. But Madisonville has played Connolly. They have played Salado. They have played Robinson. I mean, they've played some really tough teams over there in 4AD2. That district that they came out of is just nuts. And I, I think up front, I think Madisonville is going to be a little bit better than LaGrange. And, you know, as soon as I put my thoughts out there and put it on the line, it's going to go the other way. But... I'm going with Madisonville. I, I like what they have up front a little bit more. Tobin is taking LaGrange. And before we head to the game of the week, it's time for our coaches interview. This week we are joined by Monterey quarterbacks coach and head wrestling coach Bradley Shaw. And he's going to talk to us about Monterey, the 806 wrestling. Really just a, a, we, we had a really good conversation. We're excited for y'all to hear that. We're going to go ahead and jump into it right now. Here is Monterey coach Bradley Shaw. Custom the wings. Today, we would like to welcome into the show the wrestling coach and quarterbacks coach of, the, of Monterey and Lubbock, Coach Bradley Shaw. Coach Shaw, thanks for joining us and welcome to the show. We're excited to pick your brain tonight. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So, just to kind of give everybody like a little background on yourself, can you kind of talk about, you know, like where you grew up and how you got into coaching and just really your journey and how you got to where you're at today? Yes, sir. Well, I was born and raised in old uh, Pecos, Texas, which is 
you know, just south of Midland, Odessa, about an hour and a half away. Um, you know, just one of those small town kids that was always around athletics. You know, I played, I was a football on Friday and then I was a swimmer on Saturday. And, you know, when, when the spring comes around, I'm running around the track and throwing the discus. So, you know, just always being around, uh, sports is kind of what led me into coaching. And then you ended up over in Plainview, didn't you? That's correct. Yeah. After my senior year of high school, I just, I just didn't want to hang it up. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get on at Wayland Baptist university in Plainview. And, you know, when I, in high school, I played quarterback under a wing T system. And then, um, you know, we show up at Wayland Baptist university and, there's seven quarterbacks on the depth chart and it is um, spread offense. And, you know, it wasn't really, didn't necessarily cater to me. So then I had to, you know, make the transition to become a slot receiver. And I'm glad I did. Best decision I ever made for sure. You're like the uh, Wells Felker of Plainview. <laughs> I'd like to think so. <laughs> um, you know, there, there was a lot of learning those first, this, you know, first year, first season and all that, but had some great guys at Wayland Baptist University. Those those people are real good people and um, really enjoyed my time there for sure. So, you know, as I mentioned in the intro that you are the head man over with the wrestling team. Can you kind of talk to us about what that moment was like when you got named the head wrestling coach? Uh, it was pretty crazy, honestly, you know, we had a coaching change uh, last um, last spring, and you know there's some always some moving pieces. And um, when it was promoted to me, I just I had to jump on it immediately. I, just being 27 years old and getting that kind of a role, you know, you know, in this profession, you're always trying to you know find the next next big next big you know step up and. You know, when I got presented that to me, I just I had to take it on, and I've enjoyed it ever since. Did it? So you feel kind of like uh, you found your next challenge, right? Because I feel like as a coach, you kind of hinted at it. You're always trying to find that next thing to prove yourself, to move up that ladder. Okay, well, I've been doing this. I've been doing a good job. I want to give myself a little bit more on – put a little bit more on my plate. Is that kind of the mindset on that? Absolutely. I, I feel like, you know, that that's the way – to do it in this coaching profession, you, you've got to challenge yourself every year. You know, that next year has got to be something different. It's got to be something new. And you've, you're really just trying to, you know, master your craft of coaching. You know, I've coached wrestling for three years um, prior and uh, you know, so I'm familiar with the sport. Never, never uh, actually did wrestling in high school because we didn't have it in a small town like Pecos, but, you know, having three years experience really, you know, when you get presented something like that, you got to take it on and it's just going to help you be a better coach for sure. So I guess that, and that kind of takes me into it. You've been doing it. You said for three years now, how did you get into it? You just kind of like the coaches gave you a choice and you chose wrestling or it was kind of assigned to you as low man on the totem pole or, how, how did that come about? Well, it's kind of crazy. Uh, so 
you know, a few years ago, I was at the middle school uh, that feeds into Monterey. And so I've kind of worked my way up through the system. But, uh, you know, the you need to coach three sports um, over here at Lubbock ISD. So coach football, and I knew I was going to coach track because every coach coaches those two, those two sports. And so is it going to be basketball or is it going to be wrestling? Well, basketball obviously, you know, stays in the gym all winter, lifts a few times, but wrestling is, you know, on the mat in, a, in the field house. And so the coach, the head coach at the time decided, he's like, you know, I, I want you to help run our off-season program. And so that means you're going to be helping out with wrestling. And it's just been, it's been crazy. I've enjoyed every minute of it, especially, you know, not having any knowledge of it prior. And then, you know, here we are today. It's, it's been a really, uh, really interesting experience for sure. And then coming from somebody like myself that like, you were at one point knows nothing about the sport of wrestling other than you're supposed to pin them down somehow, some way you got any like fun facts or anything weird or interesting you've learned that like off the top of your head about the sport so far? Uh, you know, it's really, it's really kind of interesting because you know, when you get on the mat, like everything, everything else just gets blocked out because you know, it's different from any other sport you've got, obviously you've got teammates that you wrestle with in practice, but when you get on that mat, you know, there's, there's no relay exchange. There's no one really to bail you out. Like you are just on your own. So, you know, when it really comes down to it, you've just got to be in the best physical shape possible, you know, mentally, physically conditioned, and you've got to have a ton of strength to endure, you know, and I, I feel like that's, that's some things that people that don't really know wrestling, they, they just don't quite understand what it's like, you know, being on that mat. Yeah. And it seems like you're out on an Island by yourself kind of deal. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So before we turn over the page to football, what, so for somebody like myself that is really unaware with it in general, what are some of the, you know, like, I guess what would be the equivalent of like the Katie's, the Allen's, the South Lakes of the wrestling programs? Um, so, you know, it's kind of interesting. So, you know, the South Plains out here is really well known for wrestling. Now, there are some metro areas that have um, some great talent. Obviously, Allen is another big powerhouse name in the wrestling world. But you've got t- programs over here like uh, Canyon Randall, who just won state last year in, uh, in 5A. Um, Monterey's always in the mix. We've got a great squad coming back this year. Um, Amarillo Tascosa, um, you know, Amarillo Caprock, those, all these um, high schools up here up north um, really always have a good turnaround and have great program success. Yeah, and, and you kind of hinted at y'all running it back with a good squad this year. Can you kind of give us – I guess there's not really a game plan to give away in the wrestling world. Can you kind of, you know, highlight some of your wrestlers that you're excited about this year? Well, yeah, fortunately for me, you know, I've got 10 seniors um, on this squad. And, you know, guys like Santos Bustamante, I've got Logan Corrales, uh, Riley Marsh, who's a junior, you know, all these guys are 
returning state qualifiers. And Camden Offit, he's he's just going to be a sophomore, and he's a returning state qualifier. So it's it's looking real good uh, for the Plainsmen this year on the mat. So that, that's good to hear. You know, uh, we're we're about to transition over to football. So I understand, like, you know, like there, there's Monterey's got it going on in several sports, and you know, y'all just did a big transition over under coach Judd in football. Um, I know it didn't go so well, but on the record side of things, but there's always some kind of silver lining. Did y'all see any places? In, I think you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about some injuries outside of that. Was there some silver lining? Did y'all see some promising uh, movement in the, maybe the younger grades or stuff? Talk about what you did like this season over on the gridiron. Yeah, I mean, it, we did. We kind of got snake bit on the injury side of things. I mean, I I coached quarterbacks uh, for the varsity level at Monterey, and you know, I have five quarterbacks play a varsity snap at you know five A Division One football, which is unheard of, you know, for most seasons. So, you know, we we kind of struggled, especially at my position anyway. But you know, we've got a ton of juniors that are coming back. We're going to, we're going to miss a few seniors that really helped out this year, but on the bright side of things are our, our freshmen. Um, and some, we've got some eighth graders that are coming up. Our, our freshmen are, are really going to help out. You know, I think we're going to have, you know, 10 to 12 that'll suit up on Friday night next year. So looking forward to them. Obviously they've got big shoes to fill, you know, being 15, 16 years old, but, you know, they can play. So really looking forward to to those guys. You know, we've got Jaden Hibbler coming back for his senior season, Cash Lewis coming back for his senior season. You know, I didn't graduate a quarterback. So all my all my five quarterbacks that, that played this year, they're all coming back. So it's things like that that really make you feel optimistic going into the next season for sure. Yeah, and it, it doesn't help, you know, you – get that injury bug, but it doesn't help that, you know, the 806 is really having a renaissance over there with all the different teams that are, because, you know, there's normally like one or two teams that are making noise, but I mean, all across multiple divisions, there's teams ranked in the top 10 all over the panhandle right now. And I was going to kind of get your opinion being up there. Who are some of the programs that you, you would maybe say are dark horses that people should keep an eye out when it comes to running, making a run at state and regional finals? Well, I mean, just with our district alignment out here, it, it can really change, you know, two years at a time. You know, we added uh, Amarillo Tascosa, which they were 6A, so they dropped down to 5A Division One, and they were, you know, in the running for a district championship the year before they, they moved down to 5A D1. So they won district for us this year, so they're, they're definitely in the mix. You know, and then you have Lubbock Cooper, who's just growing by the day. You know, they went, uh, they played, they lost to Alito uh, a couple years back. And then last year they lost to South Oak Cliff um, in the playoffs. And now here they are bumping up from 5A Division Two. Now they're in 5A Division One. So, you know, we just, we got two of some of the top, you know, teams in the state, in our district, you know, within the last four years. So it's making it, it's making it pretty tough out here, you know, believe it or not. 
Yeah, and I keep telling people that when I talk to them about, you know, don't sleep on that 806 or just the West Texas area in general. Um, I was going to ask you, so, you know, you could look at the rankings and who won district and who not, but, you know, y'all also played friendship out of district. Who would you say is the best team y'all played hands down this year? You know, friendship – Friendship has just gotten better and better as the season's gone on. You know, it seemed like they were still trying to figure themselves out offensively. Um, their defense has played much better in district from what I've seen. Um, talking to some of the OCs around the area, um, you know, they've – I feel like right now they are the best team that we played on the schedule. Now, best team to play us was actually Abilene High. And they were very sound. And, you know, I heard from a coach one time say, you better not want to play Abilene High late in the season because, you know, they're going to get after you. And, um, you know, sure enough, they're they're in the playoffs, playoffs as well as uh, Tascosa and Cooper. So I, I would be – I'd be interested to see what Abilene High does in the playoffs. And then, um, you know, obviously friendship at 6A – they're, they're looking real good out here as well. So we, we, we talked about Coach Judd earlier, uh, Coach Judd Thrash. He came over from Duncanville. Um, you and I talked a couple weeks ago, and I, I want to say, was it his game planning? You said he had one incredible – what was that? I was trying to remember what you talked about that day. I mean, the, the way that he can coach defense is, is just outstanding. I mean, our – our, our defense at Monterey, you know, was very one-dimensional, I guess you would say. And, I mean, he's able to run a 3-4, a 3-3 stack. He'll run, you know, a 4-2. Just And always, to me, it, it would just be a headache to try and um, scheme up a plan against him. And our, our defense has played outstanding this year. Um, so, you know, his ability to – to put on a defense, you know, in just a short week is is really something. Yeah, and that, that was one of – they were – and that's one thing I heard about him multiple times uh, when he was at Duncanville is he was just one of the great mo- defensive minds in the state. And I, if I remember correctly, it was kind of the opposite last year. Weren't y'all scoring pretty, pretty at will and just couldn't get a stop when you needed to, right? Or, or yeah, we definitely, we definitely had our games that – you know, the overhit if <laughs> if it was in a betting situation. But yeah, um it's it's changed quite a bit, you know, and to me it's just the kids are learning more about football, you know, and um understanding their role defensively and you know, some secondary deal, like just not having eyes in the backfield and really playing sound technique and they're always in position to, you know, force a pass breakup, you know, or they're hitting their blitzes on point and they're getting to the quarterback. It's just things like that that have really changed um, from this year to last year. Yeah, I, I think when kids start to understand the why, they're able to play at a faster level than they ever could before because their mind isn't slowing them down physically at all. And that sounds like what y'all got going on there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to switch it over a little lighthearted before I let you go. Give you a chance to uh, poke some fun. Who is 
the easiest person to tease in the locker room, whether it's a kid or a coach, like who, who kept like, and it's all in good fun. Obviously you, everybody knows how locker rooms are. It's like, you know, for whatever reason, this dude just always is cracking you up and, you know, he just catches a hard time. Oh man. Well, I would say that I feel like the staff, you know, does a great job of balancing out, you know, who we're teasing. You know, to me, I just feel like there's, I couldn't name one specific coach that like gets it more than anyone else. Um, so that's a really hard question to answer as far as the coaching staff is concerned. But I would probably say, you know, the, the funniest kid to be around hands down is Luke Snodgrass. He's a, he's a center on our JV team and he is an absolute character in every Every coach would agree on that, that he is he is by far one of the goofiest kids you'll ever be around. But we all love him for sure. So, you know, that's actually a good point. Like, you know, so a lot of the times there's people like in my friend group, I'm that guy where it's, you know, everybody just jumps on me and I'm OK with it. And, and, and that's just part of it. But then the, it's really impressive when everybody gets it, I think that shows that, you know, like a nobody's safe mentality, they're coming after everyone. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So my, my, I got two more questions. Number one, do you have an opinion on these two topics? So number one is, do you put beans and chili? Is that a, is that a hot take for you? Beans and chili? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kidney beans. Oh, okay. So you're not supposed to put beans in chili. So that that's you're wrong on that one. Well, you're gonna have to um, talk to my wife about that because she makes some really good chili. Okay. Well, I'm scared of her, so I'm not gonna go that far. And the next one is pineapples on pizza. Absolutely not. Oh, come! You got it all wrong, man. Absolutely not. <laughs> I disagree. So then, I guess do you have one? And this kind of ties into those. Do you have a hill that you're willing to die on? No matter how many times people tell you you're wrong, you're going to tell, you're going to stick by this statement or opinion, whatever it is. Like, you know, I've been already called out by coach Doty and Stephenville, but I think Chris Stapleton is overrated and I catch so much flack for it, but I'll never move off of it. Oh man. Um, Unfortunately, I cannot think of anything right now. Oh, you're good. We might be on here for another hour just pondering that thought. Yeah, well, so. you, your hot take should have been that beans belong in chili, but that's – I guess you don't <laughs> – Oh, no, man. Sir. And so, I guess before we let you go, who is uh, – who's coming Who's coming down with the Big 12 title in football this year? Oh, I mean – I think TCU has absolutely proved that they deserve the Big 12 title. Now, how they're going to play in November, you know, we'll see. But obviously, you got to bring it each week. I guess the team that surprised me the most is Kansas, but you know, I think TCU is going to definitely, you know, carry their momentum through November, and they're going to be just fine so, from what I've seen. Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, that's all I got for you. Uh, man, I really enjoyed it. Just love talking ball with you. Um, you know, go get them in wrestling this year, and we'll see you soon. All right. I appreciate it, man.
I'd like to thank Coach Shaw for coming on. Man, that, that was fun. Um, obviously, I knew him before this interview, so we had a little bit of give and take there. It was a lot of fun to talk ball with people you know, and uh, it's even actually more fun to talk to people you don't know because then you get to find out things that you didn't know about people and you make new friends along the way. So, but without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump into our game of the week, this Columbus and Lorena game. I just kind of set the stage. They're playing in Pflugerville. Last year, there was a regional semifinal game. And, uh, you know, Adam Schobel was a freshman. Columbus uh, had a ton of young talent on the defense that are now sophomores, juniors, and seniors. I mean, last year, they were just loaded. I think I'm, I think they lost one starter off of defense, if I'm not mistaken. Everybody else returns. Um, they've been playing excellent outside of one and it was really just that first half that kind of got them in trouble with Hitchcock. They, they kind of held their own there at the end. So other than that, Columbus hasn't really been tested by anybody. And Lorena lost a lot off of that defense that went on to win the state title. But they bring back much talent on offense. Uh, I mean, wide receiver Jaden Porter, he's committed to Baylor. I think he went for 200 yards and three touchdowns last year against Columbus. Stopping him and just the the passing game in general is going to be huge for Columbus. But I think what nobody's talking about is the run the run game for Columbus. I mean, the run defense for Columbus has been great all year. The quarterback run game is where they got hurt in Hitchcock and then the tackling in space. So if you go watch that Hitchcock game, you know, they missed a bunch of tackles at uh, the line of scrimmage that really kind of got them into trouble. They were able to get that powerful Hitchcock offense into third and longs, but then the third and longs were being converted on, you know, athletes being athletes out in space. And that's what Lorena is going to do. You know, neither team has really seen an offense like they're going to face this week. So, you know, Lorena has faced some really good teams. Don't get me wrong, but the, I mean, Columbus is a very unique team with a quarterback that can. I mean, if there's if you get any kind of separation on the receivers, he's going to drop it in there. But then at the same time, Columbus has not seen an offense like the a Hitchcock had a similar offense, but you know it was really just a couple of guys. I, Hitchcock had about three dudes that could hurt you anytime they touched the ball whereas Lorena's got probably five or six of them. So I'm really interested. I mean, if Columbus is going to win this game, they're going to have to, one, they're going to have to just score with Lorena, and then it'll be kind of like how Tech won back in the 08, 07 era when, uh, you know, your defense doesn't necessarily play the have the best stats, but they made the big plays when it mattered. And that's what's going to – whichever defense does that this week, whichever defense – bends but doesn't break is going to they're going to lead that team to victory and there's gonna be a lot of points on the board you know it's hard for me to pick against my hometown team but I mean that offense in Lorena is something to it's really something to watch they've played some really good teams and put up a lot of points on some really good teams Columbus is also a really good team and uh man it, it really sucks that this is a first round matchup for both teams because one of them is going to go home and they both have state not necessarily state championship talent. I mean, they all do. I, I mean, I think it's pretty well known that Franklin's probably the runaway favorite with the state odds, but they both have the talents where neither of them should be bounced before semifinals of the regional. And one of them's going to go home in the first round. So, it, I mean, it really sucks in that manner, but I'm going to go Lorena. They, they've been there. They know, and 
But the thing that is holding me back is this coaching staff for Columbus does a phenomenal job with game planning, especially when they've already seen you. I've, I've talked about it before. I, I, they don't get blown out very often. So I think that Lorena game left a bad taste in their mouth, and I think it's going to be real close. And uh, But I think the Leopards are going to pull this one out at the end. And uh, that, that's what Tobin went with as well. So that's our game of the week, a little bit there. But we also have a player interview today, and that is Jackson Lavender, the Lucas Lovejoy wide receiver, 2023 SMU commit. And we're going to go ahead and start here with the Jackson Lavender interview. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to the Clear Eyes, Full Hearts podcast. Today, we have a player interview for you. We are excited to talk to Lovejoy wide receiver Jackson Lavender. Jackson, thanks for hopping on, man. I know you're busy today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. So, you know, I guess we'll we'll just kind of start off with Lovejoy and, you know, it's a very, you know, renowned program. Is there anything y'all aren't good at? Because I saw the cross-country team won state this past week. So I was just curious, is it just a, a successful program from top to bottom kind of deal? You know, um, we are very successful in a lot of our sports, and I think a lot of it has to do with the kind of uh, culture Coach Ross has Chris Ross has implemented in our school. And um, ever since we got here, all of, not just football, but all sports narratives have changed. And, I mean, it's just, working numbers and we all support each other. We support the South Kansas team, we support the track team, the basketball team, uh, everybody. So it's a great, it's a huge culture change and a big like big community that supports each other and it's all about, you know, being successful, whether that's in life, on the field, the court, uh, the track, whatever it is. So yeah, no, I, I like to think we're a winning program no matter what. And so that kind of takes me into my next question. I was going to talk to you about uh, you know, how much do y'all support from one sport to another? And obviously you just talked about that. But so I've heard a lot about your student sections at different sporting events. What is it like playing football under the lights with those guys behind you? And what kind of atmosphere do they make? So uh, we like to call it the jungle. So it gets pretty loud and crazy. And there's a lot of, you know, antics that even go outside of football. And you know what the crazy part is? is football players, you don't have any of that. But the students, the students in the community and all the parents, they provide that for us with the flashing lights and, you know, the awesome student section we got. And, you know, we got this, the leaders of the student section, kind of the band leaders. Uh, and then we got the thing called the Dirty Drum Line. It's a very, a very Texas high school-like vibe, that makes sense. Like, authentic Texas high school vibe with um, a little bit of our own special teams spin on things. So it's, it's really fun. Um, I tell people all the time, like, you come to love the football game, you got to come to a home one because it's going to be an experience. You know, we're talking about the atmosphere, and, you know, one thing about it, though, is, you know, a winning culture kind of helps breed that atmosphere that, you know, it's it's not hard for the students to get hyped when y'all are winning like that. And, you know, part of that reason that y'all are doing so successful is the offense, and I kind of wanted to talk to you about what's it like playing in that offense with, uh, all I mean, what do y'all have? Four guys with D one offers on that offense, and just in the receiving court. I mean, it's arguably 
the best wide receiving room in the state. What What's it like playing with all those guys, all of y'all together, and what is kind of y'all's wide receiver room like? So let me tell you, it is very, very fun. I mean, just playing with a bunch of different guys who all kind of just have the same goal in mind, which is to be the best version of ourselves on the field in that receiver aspect. But also, it's a great dynamic for us because we all get along with each other. It's a brotherhood, it's a tight community. And it's not just all sunshine and rainbows. You know, there's going to be moments where we learn from each other, we're bettering each other. That friendly competition we talk about all the time in that room, like, we're, we're the prima donnas. You know, we got to be – it's just natural at the receiver position. But I think what we do a great job of is supporting each other and kind of just, you know, wanting each other to win. Because at the end of the day, there's teams, there's teams that last in the sport like this. So if KP or P live, do something great for day day, like – we're all going to go celebrate each other. We're all going to help each other reach the top, and we're going to um, help each other not just on the field but off the field. You know, talking about just recruiting life, um, what to do outside of school, how we should hold ourselves to being standards of Division One athletes that we are um, in the community, and just how we, you know, are portrayed outside of that uh, locker room or anything like that. We we always keep each other in check like that. So it, it is very fun. Um, we are the best in in the state, if not the nation. I think. In my opinion, any one of those guys will tell you that. Um, but it's definitely a blessing to just be able to experience that with all those guys. And so, you know, you kind of talked about the recruiting life. You're, you're committed to SMU. Um, you've got offers from a lot of the big programs in the area. Uh, I just kind of wanted to, you know, pick your brain. So, obviously, I'm not – I was never a D1 athlete. I played football. but And a lot of the people listening never got to move on to that next step in life. I was wondering if you could kind of, like, walk us through what, like, the process that, you know – how do the conversations start and then, you know, and then talk about, you know, what the conversations are like and how you end up committing and just kind of the whole process of being committed, uh, recruited. So the thing was, whenever I actually did not think um, I was good enough to be a division one recruit, uh, I asked my dad after my sophomore year, I was like, do you think I did enough to be a division one player? He said no. And I kind of took it in a hard way and not from the fact that he was just you know, being negative, but he was just being honest. I mean, he's always pushing me. Like, he's one of those guys who's going to tell me when I'm doing a good job, but if he doesn't believe it's like that's the standards, and, you know, and he holds him to a higher standard. I can't, I can't ask any more from him in that way because he's a great dad. But, um, you know, but I just, the blue, PCU calls my dad and just happens to ask about me and like, hey, man, we want to extend a soft scholarship to your son. And then I was on top of the world at that point. Um, and then as more and more came in, SMU, who has been recruiting me really since I was a freshman in high school because of the connection I had with Elijah Arroyo, you know who that was, uh, independent side end who's not Miami. The connection I had with him, I was being recruited just kind of as like maybe a side piece. I really don't know why, but I was a, I was a varsity freshman just a little bit. I got to play a very small amount, but they saw that and took, a, took note of that and was able to recruit me kind of. And uh, eventually, uh, over time, with um, – them moving to Miami and um, being, being able to connect, reconnect with Coach Lashley and Coach Likens up at Miami and then them finally coming here, it kind of just ended up being the best of both worlds at that point. Just why not, you know? Why not next year? Why not be able to play for my hometown and do all the stuff I get to do in Dallas? It's awesome. Yeah, the uh, – and SMU's – I mean, that program is just – been on it's just been growing and growing obviously they had that death penalty and all that but they they've come back to life the last few years and I'm assuming you saw the uh the offensive production they had this weekend oh yeah 
Texas shootout. Oh yeah, that was that was one heck of a game. So, um, I, I guess it's time to rip the bandaid off. Um, we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. Obviously, y'all took a, a tough loss to Melissa this past week. What was you know really the vibe and the and the mental state of the locker room that night, and then the next morning when y'all came back to watch film and, and meet with the coaches. So, um, so um, obviously it was very disappointing. It's the second time. It, it kind of history repeats itself. It's in this situation and the fact that the senior night, Thursday night game, the big game, everybody's coming and like, it just sucks, honestly. But um, our kids, we're mature enough. We take losses like a man because they're a big time program. You got to learn how to lose. You got to learn how to win. And um, we're not, we're not kids. Like we approach things like men because that's how we're raised and that's how we're taught and that's how we're upheld in the community that we're in, in the standard that we uphold, that Coach Ross upholds us to be like. And um, so obviously it was tough. We had we were really hyped up for it. We thought we had a great plan. And, um, you know, Melissa came out there, balled out, did their thing, and they walked away with the win, sadly. But, um, you know, the thing with us is there's too much football left to be played. We're not going to dwell on super negative things. We're going to take into consideration what we did wrong. And uh, we're gonna build up from there because that's all you can do, right? You can't just dwell on the negative because you got more football to play. We still have a chance to go six rounds. So in this kind of mindset, nothing's changed. We're still gonna play some team on Friday night in our home, like in our home stadium. Nothing's changed. The path is still the same. So that and that kind of takes me in the next direction. I was gonna ask you, have y'all sat down and looked at White House yet? Yes, sir. We have been looking at. Um, White House a little bit, um, not super in detail right now. Just we want to make sure we understand everything about them before we super like get into it. Uh, we'll actually have a meeting tonight about um, what the scheme is and what the possibilities are, what we're trying to approach it, and how we're trying to attack it. Yeah, well, and, and obviously we're not going to dive into any game plans or anything like that. But um, you know, so we're going to get into a little bit of fun stuff right now before I let you go. Um, you know, kind of get to know more about you, the athlete. What – so what other sports are you involved in? I'm, I saw you have some pretty impressive track times. Is the, are those really your two things or – So I haven't really – I've actually started – people consider me a track guy who play football. Um, so, yes, I'd say track was my other thing. Uh, that That is something I prided myself on a lot, and um, it brought me – through trying to excel in that sport, you know, brought me some grace in football and being able to, you know, be fast on the field and uh, learn how to run. So, yeah, that's, that's something I like to consider myself as a And so, you know, for the younger kids that may be listening right now, what is like – so as a receiver – what is the one thing you think that you've done in your career, maybe drills or camps or things that you've done that were, that you would highly suggest to other people that have helped you separate yourself from other players? So um, I like to think um, I was not always um, as good or as all right at football as I am now. And um, I have to thank a lot of my coaches and a lot of my dad and the opportunities they've given me for that. And um, I'd say to any kid out there who thinks, they want to really approach this path. I'd say you have to become a professional at a young age. Um, you have to understand like why you want to work, like why why you need to do these things. And you have to develop a want to. At an early age, I did not want to, but over time, I kind of felt the uh, the passion for it. Give players a game with passion, and that's how I feel like describe my play is passionate. Um, 
at the end of the day, you have to understand that it's, it's hard to work hard, but to make it easier, you have to want to work hard. Man, that's one. You want to work hard, you're not going to do it. Yeah, that, that's one heck of a way to put it. Uh, you know, everybody in it's not hard to figure out how to get there. It's the work that like you, oh, I just have to do this and follow this plan. Well, yeah, that's easier said than done. And it sounds like you figured you found that drive that you needed to get there. 100%. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a, a glass half full, glass half empty kind of outlook on things. Like, depending on how people look at it, it can be hard. It can be like, oh, crap, we got to run like 200 gases today, or we got to do like 100 circuit, or we got to squat heavy this week. Nah, man, we get squat heavy this week. Like, I don't know if you ask any of my teammates, like, I am every morning, I am excited to be there. I love it. I love the grind. I love the practice. I love to suffer with these guys. The reason I play football is the community aspect. There's no bigger like community, in my opinion, than the football team. There's kids on there who would never ever like hang out with each other in the light of day, but because we all play football, we all love each other in a certain way that cannot be matched. And that, that's one of the beautiful things about sports is it brings different backgrounds together as one. Um, so some more along the lighthearted lines. So we're going to ask some questions. Don't be afraid to talk some trash because I might get them back on the talk trash on you. So I need to know in the locker room, who thinks they're the funniest, but they definitely are not. Funniest? They think uh, they think they're the funniest, but they're definitely not. Man, man I don't know. I'll have to say my youngin, uh, day Say that the youngin, he's just, he's super goofy. He is funny, but like there's sometimes I'm like, "Dad, bro, what are you doing?" Like <laughs> he's just young. Yeah, but nah, he's, he's really goofy. He's a goofy dude. I feel so you. He's gonna be a freak. <laughs> yeah, he. I think he is he a sophomore. He is a sophomore. Okay, yeah. So my next question on the coaching staff is: there somebody that y'all give the most flack to for whatever reason, whether it's what he wears? Uh, terrible jokes or his haircut, or is there a coach that y'all dog on the most? I wouldn't say dog on as more as like just have a laugh with, and I'd probably say that's uh, probably Coach John's our DC. Coach John's does not care. Like, he just doesn't care. He'll walk in, like, he's a linebacker guy, so he's going to go in there and get like a lift gun. He'll go get, do get physical with those linebackers and drills and stuff. He's not afraid to get in there. He'll walk in the meetings with the holes in his shirt or you know, he'll wear he'll wear these two different socks. He'll just go get a lift in, like, and he don't care. And I, I love it. Yeah. Like, it's so consistent, and it makes me laugh, but I probably have to say because John's a great guy. Stupid, like, mastermind of defense. He is on a different level of thinking when it comes to defensive behavior. Oh, yeah. That, and, you know, to be a defensive guy, you kind of got to be out there and not really have a care in the world, like, the successful-wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So – you know, it's Friday night or, you know, day of the game. It's about 6.45. You got one chance to throw the headphones on before you go out, out on the field for the game time. What are you bumping? And I'll probably do, like, some uh, – I like a lot of things. Like, I'll listen to a lot of different things, but I'll probably have to say I, I have to go with a little bit of 80s and rock. Understand that? Oh, dude. That, I mean, that's what we come out to. So yeah. I'll have yeah. to 
get, get, get your inner hokey out. Oh yeah. That that's got to be one of the best stadium entrances in the history of sports. Hundred percent. So. Hundred percent. I love it. Yeah. Love it. So you know, obviously we know that football and even getting prepared like in the off season, you're still doing football and track and stuff, getting you ready for this. And sports probably takes up a lot of your life. But so what off the field, what are some of your favorite hobbies? You know, it's funny you ask, because I really don't have a lot of hobbies besides football because my life is all about it. Um, I lift a lot. Um, I hang out with friends. I have a lake house I go to sometimes, I guess. Uh, my dad watches UFC, so I'll watch that with him a little bit. Um, like, I, I don't know. Man, I'm boring. <laughs> I don't know about football. That, that's not a bad thing. It's, and, you know, one of, one of these days you'll have that free time hopefully after a long long career and you'll you'll be able to figure out what it is and uh and get and then you'll be like the rest of us wishing you were still playing yes sir so um hey man I, that's all i got for you i really appreciate you taking the time I, I know you were busy but we'll uh we'll let you go and good luck this this weekend and going forward with your career and hopefully we see y'all make a deep run in the playoffs yes sir thank you for the opportunity I'll go. Yeah. 